0: Hello, and welcome to the Objective Health Show. My name is Erica, and I'll be your host today. Joining me in our virtual studio is Doug, Elliot, Tiffany, and we have a special guest today, Mike the Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Hello.
1: Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Mike. Yeah, welcome,
2: Welcome, Mike.
0: Mike. Hi, Mike. So today we're talking about thriving and surviving during the corona pandemic and Mike bears here with us to share some of his research and insights on what's happening economically around the world, but in the United States as well. So Mike, to get us started, what what kind of got you interested in this topic?
2: Well, when I first started investing kind of late 90s, um, which was right before the dot-com bubble burst, um, I was lucky to not lose all my money um, investing in stocks and stuff like that. And so I realized I didn't know what I was uh, doing and I didn't really know anything. So I started um, uh, researching, you know, stocks, stock markets, everything like that. And then it delved into like what money is and which led to like the precious metals and precious metals community. And uh, so I, ever since then I followed along with a lot of different writers or people talking about different things. And that's kind of how I got interested and educated in the topic.
3: Well, if you're um, to consider yourself a person who is, smarter than the average bear no pun intended to start looking into economics and what money really is versus currency i would assume that you have to know a lot about like history like history of financial markets and money and economics and all that stuff like where would a good place to start be for someone who wants to like just get to know the basics of the financial system
2: Um, I'd have to think about it, uh, where I kind of jumped into it and you pick up, you know, I ended up just reading just mass amounts of like alternative writers about the topic of like gold and money and stuff like that. And they would talk about the federal reserve and then you learn names like the bank of international settlement settlements and stuff like that. And then you're like, Oh, I, I don't know anything about this topic. And then it would just, um, then I would, you know, back then Google was a lot uh, better in terms of finding alternative kind of views on it. So I would just search, or you would just pick up stuff. So I would say you could start maybe, uh, uh, reading about the history of the federal reserve. There's a couple different books. Um, I'll have to think about the names that were written by authors kind of outside the banking system describing, um, the Federal Reserve, one of them is the creature from Jekyll Island
3: oh. uh,
2: and things like that. And, and uh, I don't know if I could uh, if there's one writer or one book that comes uh, comes to mind that really is, you know, puts it all together. But it's kind of I pieced it together over uh-huh. you know basically 20 years.
3: Well, it's funny that you mentioned the creature from Jekyll Island because I, I forget his name. I was just listening to a Corbett report his documentary on a century of enslavement. It was about the federal reserve and he actually interviewed the author of that book, uh, creature from Jekyll Island. But at any rate, yeah, I just wanted to see if you had any tips on where to start for someone who's a complete idiot when it comes to economics.
2: (laughs) Well, there (laughs) used to be a number of different alternative websites that I would visit daily and they would just post different, um, uh, you know articles talking about different topics I don't I haven't visited them for a number of years because you kind of branch off and find different things you like to read and things like that um but they're out there um if anything comes to mind that's current day then I'll uh I'll bring it up but I mean nowadays a lot of people follow zero Hedge and uh, websites like that
0: mm-hmm.
2: even if you know on certain subjects they're kind of uh uh questionable possibly they do provide different writers that are writing out there uh, about the topic of finance e- economics and things like that
3: mm. we can always put links in the under the description box
0: yep so mike was this whole pandemic. What, what is your overview of things what do you what do you see happening that those of us like Tiffany and I and maybe our other hosts that, yes. we, that we don't really understand what's going on economically like we, we see you know that they're pumping all this money into the US economy and um, you know maybe you can just kind of give us a, a broad overview in a simplistic way uh, that will help our listeners understand.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, the main thing that jumps to mind is, you know, I followed the precious metal community, the alternative writers for many years and for a number of years, they would talk about different scenarios about, you know, kind of the financial reset that was going to be coming up and they would talk about what the impact was going to be, what the impact on, you know, currency and economics and also what it would do for gold and silver and things like that. And I think, you know, they've, with the reaction that's taken place with the global economic system has basically been hampered or, or basically shut down in terms of the way that we know it. And, you know, many countries shut down is that um, all this stuff that I read for a number of years is kind of coming to fruition in terms of helicopter money being pumped in the system to save the banking system. And that could lead to inflation and possibly hyperinflation and destruction of the system as we know it. And so I think we're entering that time where there's going to be a transition from the old system, financial system that we knew to something different. And what that different thing might be is leading into uh, completely digital currencies that are controlled by central banks and their Uh, Central bank digital currencies is kind of the the name for it, or possibly even the full cashless society, where if you want to transact, you might be forced to eventually use basically digital currency. And so that also ties into the possibility of what, well, what does cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Litecoin and things like that, where, where does that come in? Uh, because it's really those are different than the central bank digital currency. So you're gonna probably see some kind of transition from what we've had to something different that's gonna be more digital, possibly more restrictive, possibly where they they can uh, control what you're able to do and things like that. Um, uh, there was an article, and I'll post it in the chat um, when I find it, where uh, where China, just recently came out with their pilot program for their uh, central bank digital currency for the yuan which is their currency and it's basically people would use an app on their phone and basically be linked up with the central bank and have their bank accounts linked up with that and that's how they would transact so it could cut out the old banking system or even tie into it but Possibly be a control mechanism and they would say the reason that this is good is because the ease of transaction is much better. Uh, I can get rid of money laundering or, you know, drug dealing and all that kind of stuff. But basically, you could basically be blacklisted from that possibly if they don't like what you're doing or what you're saying. And then that, if that app is there, then they could tie in things like tracking and mm. digital certificates, mm-hmm. digital IDs, and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's a possibility, um, not only for China, but throughout the world, that kind of system being set up and put into place. So that, you know, you get the wrong set of uh, leaders or psychopaths in power and stuff like that, you know, that could be very... Uh, very negative to say the least. So that's kind of the overview of what we might be transitioning into and we're in kind of, you know, everything is a mess and they're just pumping money into the system to try and keep it from imploding.
1: I've actually noticed that there seems to be, like there's, I've seen like a few articles and stuff that seem to be kind of like, you know, tying the idea of cash as being something dirty that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can actually catch the virus from passing cash back and forth, so it's almost like they're they're starting to set this kind of thing up, like get in people's mind the idea that you know cash is actually bad, and if things are digital, then it's much safer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it wouldn't surprise me if that that was what you're talking about is actually coming down the line, Mike.
3: Yeah, well, there's been um, go ahead, Tim. several news stories out in the past couple of years about. Uh, apps you swipe your phone instead of using cash and for the longest time people have been using debit cards instead of cash Um, i think india and china were two of the big countries that were uh, experimenting with all these apps and whatnot where you didn't have to use cash so it seems like they've been prepping for this for a long time not necessarily to say that They planned, like the bankers, international bankers, planned this outbreak, so to say. But like they say, never let a good crisis go to waste. So I think that a lot of things are being put into place that were talked about before. But now with the COVID situation, there's a good excuse for putting it through.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the justification. And I I sent you guys an article. It's titled... um... Digital Currency, What Do This Global Banking Elite Want? And it's by a guy that I started reading named Stephen Guinness. And it really kind of details what the Bank of International Settlements and other central banks are doing kind of behind the scenes. And he has a couple other articles that detail since like, let's say, 2015 on what's what have they been working on. And they've been working on this. So it's It it even talks about in that article, and I'll read the quote here if I can find it. Um, uh, Let's see. I don't want to hold us up, but it basically said they needed. uh, Okay, here it is. Um, And this is a central bank representative, I think, from the Bank of England talking. Uh, And here's the quote: "Degraded currency, significant, significantly via hyperinflation and the collapse of the banking system, and people will eventually." look for alternatives. But that's generally the sort of thing that has has to happen. Almost always, these currency substitutions occur only once the existing currency has become deeply compromised. Even then, the thing people naturally reach for is an existing trusted currency, often the US dollar, dollar rather than some entirely new unit of account. When currency substitution has occurred naturally, It is almost always done so only after the incumbent currency has been debauched by hyperinflation. And really, what you need to be able to do that is some kind of event that causes the hyperinflation. Because, you know, for years, even since 2008, you know, the system was, you know, possibly close to going down. And it was sued by different, uh, I think a writer from Bloomberg sued the Federal Reserve for Freedom of, of Information Um, where they found out because of the lawsuit that they pumped $16 trillion around the world, not just in the U.S., in businesses and banks to prop up the system. So, you know, that's going on now. I'm, I'm positive it is. And who knows how much money they're pumping in it just to maintain the system. But that could lead to hyperinflation like that quote talks about or debasing the currency or people, people losing trust in the currency. So that article where the quote is from is from where they're talking about central banks, digital currencies being the answer to, to, to transition into as, you know, basically what we have now fiat currencies um, get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So I think they've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, whether, you know, they basically, I think kind of plans are going to be put into action based on the actions that are taken from the coronavirus uh, situation.
0: So Mike, how would that affect people, you know, the everyday people, Main Street or all of us here, people that aren't involved in following these financial trends? And what 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 will we see in uh, in our everyday life as a result
2: of this? well if any if the current stuff going on is any indication there, the people like main street or the masses of people aren't going to necessarily be taken care of as as the banks and hedge funds and corporations are being bailed out you know we're not getting the same type of bailout so it's going to be looking towards like okay am I going to be able to live? You know, a lot of people were unemployment, I think in the U S like 20 to 22 million people in the last month have filed for unemployment. Um, so a person right now is going to see like, how am I going to be able to survive this as there's this transition? And then they will be like, okay, there's all these problems. Um, we got going on, but we got the solution. Now we got this central bank digital currency that you should use. And this is what you have to do to use it. If you want any more stimulus relief checks, you know, download this app and we'll, we'll send you the money right to the app and then you can use it and you can scan to buy things. So that's a possibility of how it could, uh, unfold. Um, so basically I think it's kind of like 2008 on steroids in terms Mm -hmm. of the magnitude of it. And so, you'll see something, some solution being rolled out. And it's not, uh, I go back and forth and it's interesting when you have uh, Donald Trump in office that isn't necessarily the mouthpiece for the Federal Reserve and is very critical, of stuff like this. So um, even if a system like that gets rolled out, it'll probably depend on the leader of your country, how it could possibly go. Because you know, you read different things About like, okay, this is going to happen because Trump's president, he's, you know, a puppet of the new world order. And it's just a scam in terms of, you know, the whole acting out that he's independent to the side of, you know, that Trump is going to destroy the Federal Reserve and, and, uh, you know, introduce like a treasury note, like Kennedy tried to do. So it's up in the air exactly what's going to happen. But the possibility of there is like the long awaited cashless society. Hmm.
1: And for your, you know, people who are kind of like traders or whatever, like people who are involved in the financial system as it is right now, what advantage or is it an advantage for them to transfer over to this digital currency? Like, I'm just wondering if this is something that's going to kind of catch everybody by surprise and a lot of people are going to actually be really screwed by it. Or is it that the people who understand the game and maybe have a little insight into what's coming are actually going to profit from this immensely?
2: Well, in that article, I mentioned about the central bank digital currency, they mentioned that the possibility exists where you have basically a dual currency system, one for the financial interests in the banks and the central bank, and then the other one where everyone else can transact. Hmm. So it really just depends how they set it up. But if they do that, then that's basically, you know, you're base- basically tied in the system. So you're... the possibly just guarantee the profit for these institutions. Um, But I really think that the way they're going to profit the most possibly is from it is, you know, we're talking about the central bank digital currency stuff, but there's also the, you know, supposedly decentralized cryptocurrencies that aren't controlled by anybody like Bitcoin and stuff like that. And there's a lot of news out there, and it's really hard to follow because it moves so fast and there's so much information if you're following other topics to, to look at it. But they're building out through corporations and different interests. Um, they're basically building out almost like an ecos- ecosystem that would use the same type of thing, like an app where you could use cryptocurrencies to spend um. And so I think that's where they're going to, the insiders would pos, possibly profit the most because they can see what's coming in terms of a digital system. And cryptocurrencies, I think, are going to be a significant part of that. So they're probably, you know, every time you see, let's say, Bitcoin flash crash down, um, I think they're possibly causing that and also benefiting where they're going to buy up as much of the. cryptocurrencies now at low prices and then they'll end up you know driving it up like possibly 2017 where everything went crazy and it's kind of like the boom-bust cycle within the cryptocurrencies that that's how they'll kind of profit from it uh, I think.
3: I have a question Um, is there a difference between cryptocurrencies and digital currencies because when I think of crypto, I think that uh, there's a certain degree of anonymity or uh, obscuring financial transactions from pri- prying eyes versus a digital do- dollar where it just works as a, a like a debit card or something, but without the actual physical card. What, is yeah. there a difference?
2: Yeah, there is a difference. Like the central bank digital currency would, they would use distributed ledger technology and blockchain technology, similar to what you would find with Bitcoin. But it wouldn't be the same because with Bitcoin, anyone could set up a node where you could be part of the Bitcoin network, and you could, if you had enough money, you could buy these mining rigs and mine Bitcoin. So it's really, you know open to anyone or de- to And even though the central bank digital currencies, they'll say it's decentralized. It's really a, a centralized control mechanism via like a central bank to regulate it. And they could possibly, they're going to probably set it up where they can create as much of the digital currencies as they want in the central bank system where Bitcoin, you can't just create as much as you want due to how it's, uh, set up and the intent of how it was created so that's that's a big difference between them and then within cryptocurrencies and crypto tokens um there's a wide range of differences between them you have some that are mined some of that that is called proof of stake where you don't actually have a mining rig using electricity to mine it um and then you have things that uh that aren't central bank digital currencies, but are very similar to them. Like there's one called XRP, which is uh, like a private corporation or business called Ripple that runs it. That Ripple would basically be the centralized control like the central bank. So there's a wide range of it out there, but there's a lot of differences to it.
1: And is the idea that one of these will kind of come to reign supreme? Or is it going to be a future where there's multiple different types of currencies out there and it's all confusing because everybody's using different things to pay for things?
2: Well, I think it might be a little confusing, especially, you know, my my father, he doesn't even have a cell phone. So, you know, he still uses cash, checks, and credit cards. So there's going to be a lot of people that maybe aren't going to be technically advanced enough to adopt into a system like that. So I think you'll still, even though they would want to get rid of cash, I personally think that cash is still going to be around for a while, but it'll be harder to use or less businesses would accept it. You'll still probably have uh, debit cards and then you'll have apps that are like where you can spend like, uh, the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum. And then you may have an app from like, let's say the central bank, uh, digital currency where you can spend that. So you'll have these duels, these many different systems alongside their each other, as well as barter for people that don't want to be into a digital system. So you'll probably have all that going on at the same time because you have like the economic turmoil and all that and people just trying to survive. And as things are introduced, it'll probably be all running side by side for a significant mm-hmm. amount of time. Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess one of the big disadvantages of these digital currencies, and you kind of um, talked about it a bit before, but the idea being that everything would be tracked. And it seems like one of the things that they're working in through this whole pandemic, if you want to call it that, um, is the idea of tracking, like tracking everything, you know, tracking you through... Um, Your cell phone, your location, apps on your phone, all that kind of stuff. So it seems like, you know, tracking um, transactions and purchases and all that kind of stuff is just kind of like the, the next step. I mean, I'm sure they're already doing that, right, with debit cards and credit cards and that kind of thing. They know exactly what you're buying and when. But you can still get money out of the machine and go down to your buddy's place and, you know, buy some of his homemade pickles off him or something like that. Whereas, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, as far as the tracking goes, it seems to me like it's a big disadvantage. I mean, they say they always spin it in a good way, like, you know, it'll get rid of the black market, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, given what the alternative is, maybe getting rid of the black market wouldn't be such a good thing for the average person.
3: Well, one person's black market is another person's free market.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if I understand correctly if they were to um set up the system so that everything was tracked um this this idea of uh, you know if they could in some scenario kind of instate some kind of a tax some kind of a fee that you know everyone had to pay every time that they make that transaction um and at the same time if they then kind of Um, Monopolize every kind of service, right? So say, I mean, like the massive corporations already do own, you know, most of, most of kind of uh, the, the stores, the the Walmart, you know, Asda in the, in the UK, most of these kind of multi-chain conglomerate kind of things, they do own most of the market, but there's still like little independent shops and there's independent traders and stuff. But realistically, what they could, ideally do is is kind of uh uh what am i trying to say basically they can make it really difficult to be able to trade outside of the um the kind of uh, promoted routes kind of thing mm-hmm.
2: yeah and kind of speaking to that like the the small businesses in the u.s the care act was supposed to help uh the small businesses get through this kind of shutdown and Uh, There's an article I sent um, that talks about basically the small business loans, the amount of money that was available was gone within minutes of it opening. And then Congress went on recess and they didn't approve more money. So there's no more money to give the businesses and there's so many businesses that need that. And so they're not really, as of right now, providing enough to keep Main Street and the small businesses alive. You could see a lot of them go under just because they're not getting supported. But I I actually think that President Trump wants to support them, but, you know, depending on what Congress is doing and stuff like that. But so you could see it really consolidating, like you were talking about, Elliot, into the like Walmart just may be the only big store in town that's able to supply food and everything you need because everything a lot of everything else might have gone bankrupt because of the you know reaction to the pandemic or whatever and then uh speaking in terms of um uh the like how anonymous cryptocurrencies are such as bitcoin is if someone doesn't necessarily know your address where you're sending your address that you use It is semi-anonymous, but, you know, I think they have the computer technology, even possibly like the IRS or the government to track like every transaction. And if they know your address, they know you're sending X amount of Bitcoin to this other address. And if they know that who that other address is, they know exactly what's being transacted. But there are uh, coins that are completely anonymous. Or cryptocurrencies that are ple- completely anonymous, such as uh, uh, I think one's called Zcash, and there's uh, CloakCoin. Coin. Um, but I think they're going to actually go after those and shut those down at some point. Hmm. Um, but it is basically, if to the general public, they if they don't know your address, it would be anonymous or you'd be protected. But I think it's safe to say everything that you do electronically is open to being tracked. You know, whether that's a cryptocurrency or anything else.
3: So can you give us any information on the supply chain? Because I've been going into the grocery store, even though, of course, they say, you know, don't panic, don't uh, hoard uh just make sure you and your family have you know a few weeks of goods in order to survive the rough times ahead but don't hoard and don't panic but it seems like the the grocery stores i mean there's lots of workers in the walmart stocking stocking things all the time but like the meat section is entirely picked over kind of decimated depending on what store you go to um sometimes there are no eggs there's limits on certain like uh products you can buy you can only buy like two of pork two of beef (laughs) two milks or whatever um how does the supply chain play into all of this and was there anything going on with the food supply before this COVID thing happened
2: yeah i think there really was um Because, you know, last year you had the the uh, big flooding in the U.S. that affected crops and livestock and stuff like that. And then you had the early winter that destroyed crops. And I think that was also Canada, too. So it was like, how is this going to affect, you know, the, the supply of food? And then, you know, worldwide, if you follow kind of SOT in terms of everything that's going on in terms of flooding and famine or even like the plague they have over in the Middle East. not the plague, but the, uh, locusts. locusts, locusts. yeah. Yeah. So that, so you have a lot of stuff that even if this, you know, lockdown didn't happen, I, we would have possibly been going into where there would have been, you know, supply issues for food and stuff like that because of all that going on for a number of years, uh, whether it's weather or, um, you know, Things like the locust plague, or trade wars, or you know, kind of things that were already going on in the background. And then, you know, the thing that really got my attention for first uh, for the first time with this coronavirus stuff is when when I saw China shut down basically their whole country. It really, you know, my alarm system went off because they're kind of the manufacturer for the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, if they stay shut down, this is going to be a major impact just to supply chain of all the things that China supplies to the the world in the U S whether it's electronics or pharmaceutical drugs, or basically anything that was coming from them. And I was like, this is going to be serious. And then, you know, you saw Italy or it went to Iran and then it went to, Italy and Italy shut down. And I was like this, I, I said to myself, I was like, this is going to be spread to other countries where they're going to shut down. And then basically, the whole global economic system is hampered or shut down to a certain extent. Hmm. And that really uh, leads into supply chain issues, because I don't, it's hard to say exactly how much of China's back up, up and running and making goods. But I do know like the numbers from the uh, shipping ports in the US were down, I think the, the last quarter, like 20, 30% or somewhere around there. So you could see that less goods are coming in. And then you have follow on effects from the lockdown where meat uh, processors or, or people that uh, grow vegetable, vegetables and stuff like that for restaurants um, you know, the meat, some meat processors, processors are shutting down because they don't want to get their employees sick or whatnot. Or, and then, the, you know, they're dumping the vegetables because they have no one to sell to. And the supply system isn't set up for the food that was supposed to go to the restaurants. And so you're seeing this, this shock to the system in terms of the uh, um, so kind of the supply chain and distribution. Um, And that's pretty serious because even if they opened up the economy tomorrow for the whole U.S., you know, are they is the, you know, system of delivering fuel to all the gas stations or Mm -hmm. or this and that? Are they is that going to be able to be up and running or is the whole supply chain system that before the virus, how it was set up, is it going to be able to come back up? And and if it does, how long is that going to take? So I personally was going to the the grocery store a few times a week and just looking at the shelves, and I noticed when they weren't facing the shelves to look full, you know, there wasn't that much stuff behind like mm. uh, on the shelf for a lot of products. And I, I haven't gone; I'll probably go this week. But you can look and just say, "Hey, it, it doesn't look like they're getting this pro- product in or." And that can be pretty serious. If we have another kind of panic due to something, you could possibly see stuff that you want from the grocery store that's not junk food being cleaned out because I don't know how much is left in the system to restock uh, the grocery stores and stuff now. Mm.
1: So do you think that maybe the coronavirus thing is kind of, going to be used as sort of a front for the fact that these these systems were maybe already in trouble?
2: Yeah, I think so because, you know, even with the financial system back in September or late summer in the uh, repo market that's supposed to basically give short-term lending to banks was already starting to have uh, significant issues where the Federal Reserve was already pumping in, let's say $100 billion a week. through the fall and even more money, so there was already stress there, and and there was probably stress within the uh, amount of food that was going to be available to restock. So they could have said, you know, we're going to have all these issues anyway, so we might as well use the uh, situation with the coronavirus and locking down everything to blame it on, so we don't take the blame from everyone that doesn't know kind of the ins and outs of what they've been doing and the possible problems that were going to come anyway. <laughs>
3: Well, I can imagine that there is a lot of really rich people and corporations that are going to get even richer. And one of the things that really infuriates me, and we've done a show on this about the vegan push, like how over the past few years they've been using all these celebritards and all that, pushy idea that veganism is healthy, and you know the the advantages of eating a plant-based diet and all of these beyond meat burgers and lab grown meats and things. And then you hear that the biggest pork producer in the U S Smithfield is shutting down and a bunch of chicken factories are shutting down and, uh, cattle farmers don't have people to process their meat, And, you know, there are all these big investments in this lab grown meat and beyond burgers and all that crap. And that stuff is going to be foisted onto us. Like every time I go into the grocery store and I see the meat section, this like just a few packages strewn here and there it just really makes my blood boil.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then you see the pictures of like what was left in the grocery store when it was cleaned out, like the tofu and that beyond meat stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh People want the meat. So I didn't, I hadn't even thought about that in terms of them uh, pushing that. But uh, I think there was a picture of like books that Bill Gates was reading that uh, was going around. And one of them was like, do we really need meat or something like that? And, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's probably gonna be the next thing, be like, Oh, we can't feed you with the stuff that you want, like meat. So we got this other stuff, like you're gonna eat bugs and you're gonna to eat tofu. think mean, people are gonna go crazy and you know, they'll be yeah. like, Here's we have this to eat, you know, you can eat it and survive, but you'll become some kind of mutated genetically modified <laughs> human, you know. Yeah. And so maybe that's maybe that's in the works, but I haven't uh that's been kind of quiet since this coronavirus stuff, at least from what I've
1: looked yeah. at. Yeah. That's chilling though, that idea. Yeah. That's really where it Not really that hits surprising though. No. <laughs> no. But it's where it hits home for me. It, it, you know, take away my meat, then that's
3: yeah. Yeah, Sorry, that's why I draw it. the line. <laughs> but it's funny how all of these uh industries like the food industry, you know because of the weather and climate changes, uh, not particularly global warming per se, but that industry was suffering. The I mean, everyone's been calling for an economic collapse, so the financial industry was suffering. And it just so happens as this came along and all these different areas can take advantage of what is happening. I don't want to say conspiracy because it seems so big, like all of those different areas of finance and industry, like they just so happen to come upon this COVID thing and they can all take advantage of it, but maybe on a different spiritual level or a cosmic level, like when things start to get bad, uh, pandemics or viral outbreaks occur, not, one causing the other, but they're all being caused by whatever that same thing could be that they all have in common, if you know what I'm saying. I don't even quite know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just speculating here. (laughs) Like, when things start to hit the fan, they start to hit the fan fan. in several different areas all at once.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about You know, it's possible, Um, but I think one thing that people should look at is, you know, moving forward in terms of quality, healthy food is probably going to become more expensive and harder to get. Mm. Um, And then the thing that I hope that happens is the more local production for food and stuff like that kicks in to where your community is, where you're going to want to get the most of your staple stuff, if you can. And that would hopefully bring communities together uh, because, if, you know, if they see the federal government or, you know, something else is not going to take care of what they need, then maybe everyone could come together as, a like, a community to help survive and thrive during the problems that look like, the you know, is going to start coming on. So if that's local production of you know, eggs, food, cattle, livestock, uh, uh, vegetables, you know, growing your own food or part of your, your own food. Um, uh, I think that's going to be something that could be a positive where, you know, people might realize if you're not, you know, if you're in a big city, I don't know what to say. Like I personally wouldn't want to be there because you really don't have many options for that. Um, but if you're in a more rural setting, um, that, already has something set up in terms of local food production, you might have a a better chance of getting what you want. Uh, So I think. And
0: and those are the type of uh, communities where you most likely would be able to still use cash as a currency or even bartering. Yeah. Right. So you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I hear this like, you know, people comparing it to, the great depression you know the 2008 crash all this kind of stuff but i don't know it this seems bigger to me is this mm-hmm. is this bigger mike
2: <laughs> um i think i think it has the potential to be i don't know i'd have to read more about the great depression but that was you know huge mm-hmm. like societal changing so this is i think like a societal changing type thing but you know, we do live in like a digital, more techni- technologically advanced system where, you know, the the gut, the central bank or the government is able to prop up the system and not let it all crash so they could transition to something possibly better, or not better, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how it's all going to play out, but it, I think it's going to be very um possibly very chaotic and if if you didn't have food stored or if you didn't have savings and you know there's going to be people that are going to basically not be able to eat and that's that's as serious as it gets cuz you know that could lead to like people uh protesting, rioting, you know, yeah. crime increasing and so I don't know like I I, w- I don't know if I could uh, say it's going to be greater than the Great Depression, but it's probably going to be on par when you transition to a different system as the old system dies. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, going from the gold backed currency of the Great Depression, where you could take gold to the bank and exchange it for dollars and vice versa, to where they ban basically anyone holding gold. You know, that happened in the early 30s in the U.S. Mm. So it's going to be some kind of transition like that, and it's going to be chaotic. And if they don't take care of the people, it's going to, you know, people. I think even though um, a significant portion of people don't know the ins and outs, when you're hungry, you know, or you basically your life that you live before this started happening is upended, then you start questioning, and you you kind of you know see that. Um, whether or not they're taking care of the masses of people and people will react. Cause it's kind of, you can get instant information, even though it's controlled online, you know, people can find it uh, pretty quickly or, you know, share it via social media and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not sure how it's, I've been thinking a lot about it the last few days, how it's going to play out. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the worst case scenario, even whether economically, financially, and, you know, totalitarian police state, cashless society. But it the, the possibility is there that for that to happen, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I'm, you know, rainbow, rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to be okay, but um, we're very optimistic, but not losing, like, you know, or falling into a very, just doom and gloom and, you know, absolute worst case scenario, so.
3: Well, I think that well, I just don't... as in any situation, there's going to be some people who thrive and really show their creativity and other people that will fall into a pit of despair mm-hmm. or evilness. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that it's it's going to be bad perhaps maybe worse than the great depression because um probably back then people were a bit more resilient i think people are a lot more coddled we have a bunch of millennial brats who safe spaces and people who've never gardened or hunted for their own food or fished or anything like that and when they lose their creature comforts they'll more than likely lose it Mm
2: yeah they may lose it i mean it's it's definitely if you're not uh, if you're kind of in your bubble and you're not adaptable to change then you're going to probably have significant issues whether that's you know leading to substance abuse or depressed mental health issues or you know you know let's say you had a home that you had a mortgage on and you can't pay it and if they're, if they're not backstopped by the government you know you could lose your home and then your whole world is upended as the world is being upended. So, you know, you I think like in terms of health and wellness for people is just be, um, kind of open to change and adaptable and not let the stress of it freak you out to the point where you, you know, you kind of just, you know, either fall into depression or things, things like that, or you just kind of, you know, freeze and not do anything.
3: Mm. So
2: it's, it's kind of like, you know one thing i think about and i'm going to personally do is um for a number of years i was reading about and learning about cryptocurrencies and if that's going to be part of the system and i don't know if it's going to be like a negative thing for if it is part of the system it may be but if i have that education i could possibly get um certified education and then find jobs in that field so i think there's going to be opportunities out there if you're willing to educate yourself and willing to work and stuff like that mm-hmm. for people. And then, you know, you see uh, president Trump that he wants to propose a $2 trillion infrastructure project for the U S and who knows if that'll get pushed through. But if it does, then you'll see, uh, as long as things don't fall apart, um, uh, completely, where there might be opportunities to actually work and survive and possibly thrive. If you're, um, uh, if you're able to, if you're willing to work hard or educate yourself, like I said. Um, So I don't, I don't think it's going to just turn into Mad Max. There's Mm going to be like a (laughs) transition. So, and there's going to be, you know, if you want to grow your own food and be, uh, or part of your own food and get involved in that, there might be opportunities in the community. So you can, shift kind of what you find and found important in life and meaningful in your life or what you found valuable. And that could be like a very positive thing if you rooted in the right thing. And if you kind of say, oh, you know, I was this way and all I cared about was the fancy car or, you know, this and that. And I really didn't value or think about life in the kind of the bigger questions of life. So this could be if if you're adaptable or enough, you could it could be a positive in some ways, you know,
3: or if all else fails, you can just rely on the universal basic income, which they're writing about. A lot. Well, th- what what that, are your thoughts on that, Mike?
2: I think it's personally, well, if we don't have a V shape <laughs> bounce where that the economic system or everything bounces back right away, there's going to be a lot of people that won't have any income that are going to be upset and they're going to, need some kind of support so that'll probably be on in the cards down the line now the question is is are they going to tie that in with you know if you don't get vaccinated are you going to be able to get the ubi right Or Mm. if you don't want to get the chip or we're not going to give you the ubi so it's possible that uh and not saying that's going to happen but that's a possibility and then it's like so you got to think to yourself well what kind of decisions are am I going to make, um, if that's the case, like kind of prepare mentally. Um, cause you know, if you can't feed yourself or you don't have money to basically live and they're offering the UBI and then down the line, they say, okay, you're getting UBI now you gotta, you know, get this vaccine or we're not going to give it to you. Those kind of, you know, large questions, uh, I think might be out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I mean, the UBI overall is a concept. Um, I, I look at it, you know, I, and it probably wouldn't play out like this, but, it, you know, if you follow kind of what's going on with the corruption and how, you know, banks have been bailed out and people become rich by gaming the system because they get tips within the system or that's just how it is, it's kind of like, well, you know, People should be taken care of, but I, I I wish it was the system wasn't set up where people would need that. You Mm -hmm. know, so yeah, I mean, if if people if that like to to tell people if if that's how they're gonna do it and they're gonna give everyone to it, just use those funds the best possible way to set yourself up for what you value and what you want to do with it. Whether that's like okay, they give me this money, so I'm gonna you know hook up with a local farmer and get involved with that and use the money that way. So I can not be dependent on the system necessarily.
0: Yeah.
1: So Mike, I wanted to ask a question. I had a friend ask me about derivatives and I know I've been seeing a lot of stuff written in different articles about this and people seem to be kind of freaking out about it, but not knowing anything about what derivatives are. Is there, is there like a, a two two minute kind of explanation for that and what's going on there?
2: Yeah. Kind of the official definition of a derivative is if let's say you had a, a block of gold mm-hmm. and you don't have it in your possession, uh, but someone else does. And they say, okay, if you give me money for it, I'll hold it for you, for you. And you don't have it. That's kind of like the first kind of step of a derivative. It's like, mm-hmm. You have a derivative let's say you get a certificate that you own that gold. That's like a derivative of owning that gold. So in terms of the financial system, and it's been a while since I've read up on it, but you know, <clears throat> all these banks have written contracts based, basically kind of like bets that, let's say the interest rate is going to be here or for various things with other banks. So kind of like a, a contract as a, as a derivative. And that's what it's probably like people are freaking out about because there's supposed to be like trillions, if not like quadrillion dollars worth of these derivatives that have been written. And they're totally unregulated by the central bank. And that was a conscious decision by the Federal Reserve and other central banks back in the 90s with Alan Greenspan. span was not to regulate this. And I think that was to do to do with they use these to keep the system afloat, all these derivatives and manipulate the system and, and all markets. So now the system, you know, you're having wild swings in the oil price. So if you had oil derivatives that were written, you know, those are probably being like activated where, you know, if the oil dropped to this, then this bank was supposed to pay this other bank and, Mm -hmm. or or that bank can be able to pay on that derivative contract. And, and I, I don't, I'm actually, I used to get freaked out about it when like financial stuff turmoil would start happening. But I actually think, you know, they have the unlimited amount of keystroke money printing. Mm -hmm. And I think they're underpinning every bank in this derivative contract system. So it may not implode the banking system right away, even though, you know, as the financial system has stress, you might see it degrade. Um, So I used to think, oh, it's just going to all implode and you know, we're not going to be able to go to like the whole banking system's going to come down. But, you know, officially they're they're buying up everything. Who knows how many trillions of dollars worth of stuff uh, that they're pumping into the system or buying from the banks to keep them to keep it from these derivatives destroying the bank. You know, mm. it's kind of like, you know, they're bailing out every bank system or every bank to keep the system up from crashing. So I don't know if I was clear on the derivatives. They're con- really complex kind of when you delve into them. Uh, there is a guy I haven't, I haven't read his stuff for a while because there's only so much you can read at a time. His name was prob- Rob Kirby, and he uh, he's based out of Canada. That was probably the foremost expert on that kind of topic. Mm. Um, I haven't checked if he's written stuff recently. I'm sure if... if You know, if he's writing anything public, it's probably worthwhile to read. And he's probably talking about the derivatives. But, you know, all these years I've followed a number of like very, very smart people about uh, economics, finance, precious metals. And I don't even know, like, all those people put together if they really had a view of exactly how it was going to play out. Mm. With all this happening, but it, you know, you can get an idea of what possibilities are, but I don't even know unless you're really up there, like as a president of a country or in the central bank system, you'll know what's going to be implemented or how it's going to play out. And uh, that could be a good thing because like I used to be like, oh man, I got, you know, basically get my compound in the mountain and just ride out the Mad Max right. area right so that that kind of thinking and now I'm more like just be flexible and adaptable with whatever comes down the line and do your best to help others that uh you care about whether it's your neighbors family community uh to do so and you know it'll just be different and a lot of change i think
4: mhm
1: yeah i think that's really the key like don't panic stay flexible stay aware Kind of keep on top of what's going on to as much of an extent as you can. And, yeah, just stay adaptable and uh, everybody help each other. Be excellent to each other.
2: Yeah, I think that's, you know, and even if you lose a lot of possessions or you can't live the lifestyle that you did before, you know, people are pretty resilient to, to change eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it may be different and maybe you'll find something more valuable in it in terms of connection to others or, uh, you know, education or, uh, information. Uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Mike, the bear, did you have any other solutions or ideas that you wanted to share with uh, our listeners and viewers?
2: Uh, let me think about it here for a second. Um, I think I mentioned a couple points that, uh, um, I wanted to mention um, I think I actually covered most of the stuff. I, I think it's a good idea, not only so that you might have some more food, but like I've gotten involved recently where in in with a farm and and so most days of the week, I'd go there and help with what's going on and You know, it would get me out of my mind thinking about coronavirus or pandemic or this and all the kind of agitation and little like anxiety that wells up from it from reading on the computer. It's like I would get out there and do something in nature, get some Mm -hmm. sun, work my body. And that's been the most positive thing that I've done in all this uh, besides, you know, kind of looking at the situation for what it is, is actually doing something proactive that's healthy that you, you know, you could possibly get food from. And so I think people should really consider, uh, even if you have a small plot of land doing something like that, even though, you know, I didn't mention it before in terms of supply chain is like the the market for buying seeds is really tight now too, because a lot right. of people are doing thinking that way. So, but, you know, do something where you can kind of disconnect from, that stress that this all brings. Cause that's, you can really eat yourself up and you know uh, really have a lot of problems from the stress and the mental health issues that could uh, come from all this. Cause it really is stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my personal stressful time is when I saw China shut down I was like, well, what do I want to buy? Or what do I want to do? Because I was like, this could have lasting impacts. And it kind of cascaded to the, worst case scenario with the global economy shutting down and I was like you know so I kind of had my little bit of freak out then and now I'm like okay just you know try and do things that are positive positive actions to react to it.
0: That's some great advice Mm -hmm. I mean it's so easy to get caught up in stressing about You know, I notice a lot of people keep saying, well, when things get back to normal, and it Mm. it really now is pretty clear that things are not going to get back to normal, as the average person believes and sees it.
2: Yeah, I think so. And really, you don't know what other kind of events or catalysts might be out there in the wings, not to, you know, cause people to be afraid, but, you know, we had leading up to the coronavirus thing you know it was like well we're gonna have a world war because of the uh killing of the iranian general and and then he had the impeachment before that and it's kind of like well there's probably going to be some kind of next thing whether whether it's like maybe you know not saying it's going to be a huge earthquake or you just don't know what might come up that will freak people out possibly or freak you out if you're not like you're know, prepared to be like, okay, just roll with the punches and do the best you can. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. I found that I don't even fill out my monthly calendar anymore. I just wait day to day, see what's going to happen each day. <laughs> right. Pl- planning for uh, make it through today, long term plan. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it kind of is like that, you know, when you're, if you, depending where you are, the restrictions on getting out of your house, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, your whole life is upended, especially if you lost your job. And even if you're getting on, if you're able to get unemployment or the relief check, you know, it's still like, you know, what do I do with myself? What do I focus on? Um, so yeah, it's like my calendar. I still write stuff down, but it's, it's more like what I, what do I want to get done for that day or, or what do I want to make sure I don't forget kind of thing instead of, you know, what am I going to do like in three months that I was planning on doing, you know, mm. kind of thing.
0: Well, I just had one last question. If people have a little bit of extra money or, you know, they get their relief check or unemployment, what is something that you've been doing or that you can suggest that people do, that's not going to, you know, cost them
2: thousands of dollars. Well, not being a financial advisor, you know, I'll just throw out kind of things that I've thought about or I've done. It's like when I first saw this kind of possibly heading down the path that we're on now, I was like, what do I, what are the things that I need? Let's say over the next six months to a year. You know, if I don't have a lot of debt, if I'm able to service my debt, whether it's a mortgage or credit card debt, um, if I have this extra money, what do what do I what would you need to get you through tough times, right? Whether that's extra, maybe some extra food or some extra items that might cost more in a another six months to a year due to inflation or hyperinflation or the supply system being degraded or shut down to a certain extent. So that's kind of the thing that I would think about. It's like everyone needs to use toilet paper, right? But it's not like freak out and buy, you know, two years supply, but you're going to probably use that, you know, you're going to use toothpaste, (laughs) you're going to need soap, you're going to need food, you know, that kind of like basic necessities to, uh, have kind of like a normal existence, you know hygiene, feeding yourself, and that kind of stuff I think
0: yeah, that's some great ideas well, you folks have any other questions?
3: Well, just to add on to what Mike just said, I would also like uh invest in building up or acquiring or strengthening the skills that you already have like if uh, you're a good mechanic or you know how to fix things you know make sure you have all the tools that you might need. make sure you have reference manuals download some helpful YouTube videos don't just rely on you know your electricity being on and YouTube always being available um, make lists, make notes network with people that can teach you things, or you might be able to teach them something and you can trade skills and services or whatever, just things like that.
0: Yeah. Because those are going to be very important. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's kind of like a commodity in itself. If you're useful for something, you know, that that's better than not having any kind of, education or use to anybody so you could share and Mm -hmm. you know uh like network and be part of the community instead of someone the community has to support you know you Mm -hmm. can support the community Mm -hmm.
0: well thank you so much for all your helpful information i know for me it was understandable a little bit more you know sometimes uh it gets overwhelming when you, we, we, we always cover the health and wellness aspect, but I really do think this is a part of health and wellness as well, just mm-hmm. knowing a little bit about what's going on and how to navigate through these very uncertain times.
2: Well, it's my pleasure coming on. Uh, you know, I hope I didn't babble on too much or <laughs> confuse anybody and I was clear. Uh, so thank you for having me.
0: And uh, thank you to all of our listeners and co-hosts. We do ask you like and subscribe to uh, Objective Health. And uh, we look forward to coming at you guys with another interesting topic real soon here. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.